Well, hello there. Well, I know you love Napa's wine. You love Napa's food. You definitely love its beautiful scenery. And today we're going to hip you to the music scene through two of the most talented and passionate folks that I could even imagine talking to. I had such a good time conversing with them, hearing their stories, hearing what they're up to. It's two internationally renowned musicians, vocalist Wesla Whitfield and pianist Mike Greensill. They're a great couple. I just love talking to them. And when he pulls out his ukulele at the end of this show, I don't want to give you any uh, spoilers, but just hang on till the end. I almost fell out of my chair. Good stuff. And I do want to let you know that uh, at the top of the show, there were some technical difficulties going on that we weren't aware of. So this show is going to pick up in the middle of my banter with Lauren Mole, our in-studio announcer. So just be aware you're not missing anything. That's just where it started recording. And also, since this is a very musical show, I figure I better mention our mad musical genius of Napa Valley, Mr. Gordon Lustig, who composed and performed our Judd's Napa Valley theme song that you hear every week. Just want to give him a shout out, Mr. Gordon Lustig. Before we get to the show, I do want to let you know that as a thank you for being a loyal listener, the fine folks at Judd's Hill have a little deal for you. If you go to the website, judshill.com, see what kind of wines are there, put some in your shopping cart, and on checkout, type in JNVS, Judd's Napa Valley Show, JNVS in lowercase letters, you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. Take advantage of that, will you? That'll be good for, well, as long as we leave it up there. So go have some fun. And while you're on the website, check out the videos. Check out the events we've got at the winery. Check out the wine club. If you're not a member of our wine club, you really ought to be. You get a better deal than even that 15% off, and you get invitations to all kinds of cool stuff. Parties, dinners, events like you wouldn't believe. So have a look. Join us sometime in the club, or even better yet, in person. And in the club. In the club and in person. But I would love to see you. I'd love to sip a little wine with you amongst the verdant vines here in Napa Valley at Judd's Hill. So come visit. All our visiting information is also at www.juddshill.com. And I'll look forward to seeing you soon. Good time guaranteed. Come on down to Judd's Hill. Now you're on the trolley. Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. Well, I, I fully understand you, Judd. Well, thank you very much. That's why we make a good pair. We understand each other. Big Halloween plans? Um, a lot of other Halloween plans. Are you going to be getting dressed up? Are you are you going to going out to hoot and holler? You gonna... uh, I, I might be handing out the kids some candy. Oh, that's but you're not going to go out yourself? And... Uh, no. I mean, you're a little old, I think. I mean, you, nobody's ever too old to trick or treat, uh, yeah. I would like to think. But I know, you know, if someone sees a young man like you they might not want to well, yeah, yeah. pony up right away but i bet i bet you you're pretty creative in the costume department yeah well what more can you say i uh, actually nothing that's all i'm going to say about okay. it <laughs> so why don't why don't we why don't we meet our guests today lauren sure judd worldly crowds they do please with tunes she sings with great ease while he does tickle them keys. Please welcome internationally celebrated vocalist and pianist, 
Weslow Whitfield, and Mike Greensill. Hey, good morning. Weslow and Mike. Chad. Hey, oh, it's, it's so good to have you guys good here. To I've be been here. excited to have you ever since uh, we came up with this scheme to have you come in and talk. Of course, because I'm a fan. You know, I've seen you guys perform before. I, I, Weslow, I love your singing, and Mike, I love your piano playing, and the two of you together is absolute magic. So, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. And that's our show. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming in. (laughs) I was impressed with the intro. It's the first show I've been on with a ukulele intro, and I really loved it. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Yes. A a lot of folks think that might be me strumming, uh, because I have this reputation, but it's not. It's a local musician, Gordon Lustig, came in, and um, he was here a couple weeks ago. Finally came out of the shadows. (laughs) Out of the shadows and into the studio, but he he wrote that song, performed it uh, on the ukulele. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about you guys. You are, um, as Lauren said, these internationally celebrated musicians. Um, well, you know, I, I think that's true. You laugh, but you definitely get around. You're, you're well-known, and, and your, your shows, when I see them pop up, they're very popular. Folks are clamoring to get in. You do a regular thing here in Napa. You're in San Francisco. You're around the country, the world. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to get to it right now instead of asking about your musical background, but because you're so worldly, what brought you to Napa Valley? I mean, why are you, why are you based here? What is it about Napa that oh. calls you and inspires you? What isn't there about Napa? It's beautiful. It's uh, calm. It's almost affordable. I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty swell. <laughs> That's why one of the many reasons we actually live in St. Helena. Oh, uh, my hometown. Yeah. It's a very nice place to live, and we live on the wrong side, but it's still pretty nice. The wrong side yes. of St. Helena? There's such a thing? Yes, there yes, is. There is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How'd you end up in the wrong side? Well, you don't have to answer no, that. Thank That's you. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, never mind. Well, we always thought we'd live in San Francisco for the rest of our lives, but an opportunity to came up to move up here, and it's it's... What I'm uh, from a personal standpoint, I was brought up in this tiny village in England, mm-hmm. and uh, and... I've lived in cities for 40 years, and so it's nice as a sort of bookend to come back to the country. Ah, you know, yeah. And, and where, where we live is so fantastic. I mean, to walk through the vineyards to downtown, you know, from where <laughs> yeah. we live, it's just magic. So. Yeah, and do you find inspiration in your music through those walks in the vineyard? It certainly is calming, yeah. uh, whereas a walk in the city wouldn't be quite as calming at all. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's actually good for doing work. I do a lot of arranging work as well as live performing. And actually the sort of pastoral feeling is really good for sitting down and writing. Mm, yeah, I'm sure not a lot of distractions. Right. Oh, Well, we're, oh, we're there's a lot of good restaurants here. Yeah. Oh, that. <laughs> but it is nice because it can be so wonderfully quiet. Yeah. And we we just adore that because where we were living, of course, wasn't quiet because you can't get quiet in the city. Right, right. And suddenly, oh, it's just magic. How lovely. I've, you know, done a little city living myself and ended up back in Napa Valley for some of these, you know, same reasons. Yeah. I, I, I like the energy of city life. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very happy now to be living back in Napa Valley mm-hmm. where I grew up, but it's always fun to visit and get recharged by that energy yeah and yeah and we're close close enough i mean i end up you know doing gigs and driving down a couple of times a week at least sometimes more yeah i saw so, on your you website know, you're uh, very still, active in the city still right still feeling contact with the city well good how did you both get into this musical world where, where did it come from did you come from musical families did you grow up playing music was it just something you knew you had and studied 
well, music was a big deal in my family's house. Uh, my mother was a singer, and she loved this old music. It wasn't old to her. And I found it in her in the piano bench, and I started uh, sight reading using these wonderful old great American songs. And I fell in love with them and the stories of them. And yeah. if I really wanted to be rich and famous, I would do something else, but I can't. <laughs> I just can't do it. I can't leave them. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, it seems like this is who you are. What, yeah. what else What else could you do? Yeah. And you knew early on, right? I never quite believed that, but... It, oh, I knew when I was about two and a half that I was going to be a singer. At two and a half? Yeah. yeah. What were you doing? What were you singing? Uh, just little stuff, uh, songs my father had taught me. It ain't gonna rain no more, no more, no, it ain't gonna <laughs> rain no more. That Things like that. And where was this? This was in Santa Maria, California. Central California. Yeah. And it was uh, a town that didn't really lend itself to that sort of thing. Oh, really? But, yeah. So I said, oh, I think I have to leave here pretty soon. Yeah, that's a barbecue town. Yeah, it is very much. And uh, lovely pinto beans. Pinto beans, but yeah. not so much for nurturing a budding vocalist? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I couldn't leave till two weeks after I graduated from high school, so I just kind of got through it. Okay, good. You weren't. I, I was afraid you were going to tell me. At two and a half, you thought you were going to be a singer, and at three, you left home to <laughs> follow your dream. I would have. I would have. <laughs> you would have. You could have. It's your family. They they saw this in you. They were already musical themselves. And well, my mom was, and I had two older sisters, and so we sang a little bit together. Oh, that's nice. That was very that. fun. And of course, you know, the church, which is where so many people learned music, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. where I kind of picked it all up. I think every musician that I've had in here claims church or a place of worship. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone was a synagogue, but yeah, the place yeah. where you go on, um, mm-hmm. you know, weekly to yeah. do your worship was where they really with the, with got the into congregation. Their music. Yeah, yeah, with a group of people, so yeah. you can really develop there and not have to worry about being a soloist. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. there, there's, and it's important because. You know, these days kids don't get to sing in school that much. Isn't that a shame? Oh, it's, these a, it's a terrible shame. Because my worry is not so much about nurturing musicians. People who are born to be musicians are going to scratch and claw their way somehow. Yeah, you know, I believe that. It's born in them. But what I worry about is the audience. Where mm. Where is our audience coming if they're not exposed to, you know, melody and harmony and all yeah, of that at, a, at an early age, you know? So. That's a very good point. I didn't mean to come in lecturing. Uh-oh. No, please do. You know, this is this is your hour. Let's let's hear what's well, on your mind. In that case, but it's absolutely true. we need music back in the schools. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Well, music is in the schools here in Napa. Oh, Napa's yeah, great. It's quite that. the yeah, Napa and Saint You know, we've been very personally very involved. Um, Judd's sure. Hill Winery uh, right. supporting the Napa Valley Education Foundation's Music Connection, yeah. uh, which helps fund the music programs to keep them going, and it's just a wonderful wonderful thing that they do that, you know, mm-hmm. to keep it going. And also Harvest Middle School, we just did a little oh, help them with a fundraiser to get ukuleles uh, into the classroom yes. and, and and make it mandatory actually that all the <laughs> kids in this for class every child. I yeah, like it. get wow. to play the ukulele. But we'll talk about that a little later. Were you also musical at, at this young age too? Were you, were you yes, playing? Yes, I, I was. 
father played a, li- a little bit of church organ and mother played the piano and there was always a piano at home uh-huh. and I joined the church choir when I was about eight or nine. So you too. Um, yeah. Marvelous education. Well, th- I mean, the thing is it teaches you to read music at an early age. He was head choir boy. He's not going to tell you that. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> I, I had a very interesting upbringing. It was a small <laughs> village, but the organist and choir master was a, a wonderful, had a sort of national reputation. So it was a marvelous choir. But he was also the local vet. So oh. after Sunday morning services, a couple of us would go with him on his rounds. I've seen awful things on farms. <laughs> and, of course, being English, then he took us to the pub. We had a quick one before getting back for Sunday lunch. Wait a minute. How old were you? <laughs> I was about 12 or 13. And when you say a quick one at the pub... <laughs> well, he would bring us a shandy out to the car. You know, shandy oh, is only half, half beer. Half beer yeah. and half lemonade. Oh, so that's okay if you're 12. You're well, not sure. drinking a full beer. There's <laughs> lemonade mixed in, so that's It fine. would never be allowed these days. They'd no. probably put him in jail. But yes, it was <laughs> You know, I, are they? It's been a long time since I've been over there, but I remember being a little more lax. I, I recall I was seventeen with the school right. choir over uh, doing Europe. And we ended up in yeah. England singing, and we all went to a pub. Yeah, and right. most everybody was eighteen, which was right. drinking age. I was on the younger side. I was yeah. seventeen and went into a pub, and of course I ordered <laughs> a beer. Right. Yeah. And I remember the lady says, "You eighteen?" And I said, "Yes." Yeah. Said right then, and then yeah. ordered me a beer. Like, there was no, yeah. no checking ID. No, you lied like to her. My local, I did, of course. in the little village I was from, the, my local, I celebrate. In those days, it was sixteen to drink. I celebrated my sixteenth birthday in the pub. She said, "But you've been coming here for six, six months at least." <laughs> yeah. Ooh, and you, what'd you do then? Yeah, no, no, the, you went no, running. Yeah, just the thing about up. that is, um, well, that that's pretty cool. So similar. Yeah, Similar and also choral it, experience with yeah, it, the, the church. About the age of 12 or 13, somebody at school played me a Louis Armstrong record, you know, an early Louis from about 1928, and I was hooked. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a jazz musician. That was it. And yeah. you went off and st- st- that's your course of study in college? Or? I did eventually go to music college, oh, and did. I went late when I was 23. I was actually a clarinet player before anything, before I ever played the piano. Oh. And, uh, and I turned professional playing clarinet in England, and uh, but eventually wanted to learn more. So at 23, I went to music college in the north of England at Leeds. Uh, yeah, and that that got you into the world of jazz music or uh, yeah, performing well, got, jazz music. It did in lots of ways. It was a very much. This is I hate to say how long ago it was. This is 1968, uh-huh. and this college had just started a jazz course, and they were trying to copy Berkeley in Boston, oh, okay. the American. Yeah. And uh, so they had a few jazz musicians who were teachers, you know, but they didn't really know how to teach jazz. And in fact, we learned more. There seems to be a theme here. We learned more in the pub at lunchtime often than we did in classes, you know, just I sitting down it. and talking and sure. saying, you know, you know, little things like, you know, make sure you learn the lyrics of the song, Mike, so you can phrase properly. You know, bar little things the like that. Greatest classrooms. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, how cool. And then also, Wesla, uh, you said you left. When you left home, was that your course? Did you study music? Yes, I went. Uh, I went to the big city of Pasadena, and I went Uh-oh, to Pasadena yeah. City College because they had a very good program. And I went there for three years because I was just going part time, and I lived at the YWCA, and and okay. I began my life. Oh, right on, right on. And then, how did the two of you hook up? You're a vocalist. He's a pianist. Love I mean, it seems like on. a natural. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be very expensive. Now, yeah. <laughs> was was that it? Were you was one of you hired for a gig? Did you meet on a gig oh, or what? I, we, we met on my gig. The bass player uh, knew 
a mic, and he had just come back from Hawaii. Yes. Is that where you've been with your other wife? Yeah. And oh. he introduced us, and I hired Michael to do some uh, charts. And then when it came time to perform them, I said, well, why don't you just play? And so he was on the gig, and I thought, well, there's no reason to not have him on all the gigs. That was in 81. Right. And then we were married, married in 86. That's five years later. Yeah. yeah. Have him on all, all the gigs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All the gigs. All the gigs. <laughs> well, that kind of begs a little question here, because you're, you know, you're a married couple, a vocalist, pianist. You do so, mu- so many gigs together, mm-hmm. um, uh, well-known for performing together. But you also do some separate yeah. work as well. Oh, very much. Is that yeah. sometimes odd? Does somebody call you up and say, I want you, but not you? Or that happens and How a do you lot. deal with that? And uh, usually they want him and not me because it's not a singer gig. And I think, great, because it's all going into our checking account. Uh, and I can okay. stay home and, and do something else. Yes. <laughs> What's to complain about? I guess nothing when you put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cool. And working together, are there times when you, you're doing a gig together? I'm kind of jumping around here because I have so many questions for you, too, so I hope you'll, you'll, you'll forgive my kind of stream of consciousness here instead of maybe following the Oh, we love the talking about our, ourselves. I mean, who, who doesn't? <laughs> That's why I brought you here. Every good farmer's dream. Yeah. yeah. So um, when, you, when you are working together and you've yeah. got a show to do or you're recording a CD, and um, there maybe there's a little difference of opinion on how to approach <laughs> an arrangement or a phrasing or whatever it might be. How do these things get worked out to the to the final product? Because whatever you're doing, it's it's working. But how do you work it together? I guess I also work with my wife, so I'm kind of curious so to know, gain a little yeah. insight yeah. here. I've found that I need to know exactly what I want to do with a tune before I bring it to Michael. Mm. I, I learn it on my own because uh, Michael is very forceful in his opinions. And if I don't happen to agree with his opinion, I have to have 25 reasons why. Oh. So uh, I'm always pretty sure of what I want to do. I, that's not that I don't listen to him and that we haven't changed our mind along the way. Because you can't just close that door. That would be silly. Because sometimes he's actually right. (laughs) (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Rarely, yeah. But over the years, I mean, I think it's, you know, why we have such simpatico is that we do think the same way about songs. And, you know, one of the wonderful marriages of the 20th century is the marriage between... uh, a jazz approach and the what we're pretentiously these days calling the great american popular song mm-hmm. uh which is you know tin pan alley broadway and all of that sort of thing uh, sort of written between 1920 and 1970 somewhere in there and uh, it's a great marriage because a lot of jazz musicians have kept these songs alive that would have gotten lost you yeah. know in some obscure broadway flop and uh, and the way of performing the song so Wesla came from the other direction from the songs and she has classical training was with the opera and so the marriage of those two things is wonderful so I think over the years we've gotten to know how we want to approach the songs and I've learned so much from Wesla she's taught me more to respect the song more oh, and, and yeah. respect the lyric you know, and I think I've taught her how to loosen up and swing and, and that sort of yeah, thing man. So, <laughs> <laughs> crazy man well, that's wonderful. What a great compliment to one another. Um, speaking of the American songbook, yes. I was going to ask you to define that because I hear that term often, mm-hmm. and I think you just gave us a bit of a definition. Yes. 
I uh, like Westlands better, though. What's yours? Oh, oh let's hear it. What happened right after Brahms and right before Buddy Holly? Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> just that small yeah, period right there. Wow. Well, the funny thing is, you know, we're a bit of sung, they're called sung sleuths. We're always trying to find some obscure song that somebody's forgotten about that turns out to be wonderful. And I used to think, if you can take this at 40 years between 1920 and 1960, you can spend your whole life studying that era, and I, I still keep finding little gems I didn't, you do your didn't own know about. Yeah. Uh, I found Music one two days ago fun. called Let's Swing Along the Moon, and it's a fabulous tune written by Mal Torme. And he had a whole album of moon tunes. Moon. He yes, does, he and that, that yeah. song is on that yeah. album. Let's Go Swinging on the Moon. Yeah, Let's oh, Go yeah. Swinging on the Moon. That I hadn't a, heard it before. That's a wonderful album. Yeah. One of my favorites, in fact. Okay. God, um, you're hipper than I thought. Yeah, you, you never know. You, you wouldn't know to look at me. But <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I think my first... Big concert that I ever went to, my folks took me. Um, I don't remember how old, maybe I was about seven or eight, was Mondavi. Uh, and it was Mel Torme. Oh, so oh. it stuck with me. Yeah, and it gets I right you in know, there. bought his albums, and that Swinging on the Moon album is one of my absolute oh. favorites. Um, but speaking of the American Songbook, this, this is a great compliment. I just kind of want to hear what you have to think about that. But, uh, you know, the San Francisco Chronicle, David Wiegand said about you, Wesla, that you are one of the greatest interpreters of the American songbook. And, Mike, I read you learned the American songbook by playing at a bar in Hong Kong. These are two great (laughs) comments about you two, and I'm hoping I could find out a little more. Um, I think the one about Wesley kind of speaks for itself. You you are... You're agreeing. You are the greatest interpreter of the American songbook. I don't agree with it, but I really like it because that's what I strive for. Yeah, I mean, it's... That's, that's it's a, never quite good enough. But Michael's Hong Kong stories are far more interesting. No, yes, no. they are. Well, I want to hear Hong Kong. Just before we get to it, if if someone were to go out and get one or two of your CDs, they yeah. only had a budget for one or two, yeah. and they wanted to hear you interpret the Great American Song, where yeah. would you steer them? I would take uh, to towards Harold Arlen. We, uh, one of our early CDs is all Harold Arlen. It's called... What's it called? My Shining, My Shining Hour. Hour. And I think that really captures the American Songbook. Okay, very good. And folks can find that on online online at, yeah. at westlawitfield.com or mikegreensill.com. iTunes, all that, the usual yeah. outlets. And, and also iTunes. eBay is pretty good. Oh, eBay. Always great. Yeah. Okay, go out and get those CDs, folks. Now... Mike, how did you learn the Great American Songbook by playing piano at a bar in Hong Kong? <laughs> well, I, 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 I knew a lot of songs by then, but I didn't know enough. And I didn't know enough for New Yorker, mainly New York Jews in the rag trade. I was playing in this piano bar in a very posh hotel in Hong Kong called... The in the Pen- rag trade, so the clothing business. Yeah, yeah clothing okay. business. And, and it was full of these folks from New York, and they would come in the piano bar and say, do you know this Rogers and Hart song? Do you know this Cole Porter song? And I'd say no. They'd say, well, we'll bring the music next time we're in town. You know, two weeks later, they'd be back. Oh. And, and, and so they brought me all this music. So it was an enormous education, wonderful education. How about that? Yeah. What a cool thing to say. Yeah, I learned yeah, an right. American songbook by playing in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I learned to play the piano playing in Hong Kong. Oh. I played a little bit of piano. I, I was hired at a music school. Instead of taking the final exams, 
uh, I went to Hong Kong because two weeks before graduation, I got a phone call and said, would you like a six-month gig in Hong Kong? Wow. So I thought, do I want to do that or do I want a degree? I'll go to Hong Kong. <laughs> so <laughs> I went to Hong Kong. But I was still only playing sort of a little bit of piano and mainly clarinet. And I really wanted to play the piano. So I made enough after about 18 months in Hong Kong to rent a piano mm-hmm. and, a, and a little hut in, in the, uh, the countryside of, of Hong Kong, almost in China, and spent three months teaching myself how to play the piano better. And Isn't then I, got a, I was lucky enough to yeah. get a gig yeah. in a hotel. Just hold up in Hong Kong, shedding. <laughs> yeah, I went Man. shedding. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. What a cool story. Well, I want to hear so much more about you guys. And even some of your music when we come back for the break, which we're going to do right now. So, folks, stick around with more from Mike Greensill and Wesla Whitfield here on... We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley Show right after these messages. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of finkel fun. And now, back to Napa Valley's ambassador of good times, fine wines, and lame rhymes, John Fingelstein. Thank you very much, Mr. Lauren Mole. You're welcome, Judd. Our in-studio announcer here at Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm very excited to have uh, these guests in today. It's Wesla Whitfield and Mike Greensill, fabulous vocalist, pianist duo, Musicians galore, traveling the world, Whoa. gaining notices. It's wonderful. And you're here today. Screaming fans. Screaming fans following you. And uh, um, But you're based here in Napa Valley, which brings you to my show, and I'm so glad that you can join us. Let's talk a little bit about some things that you do that aren't exactly playing music, but but bringing music to others and a little teaching. Mike, in the case of you, you have a book that has recently been published called Playing for Singers, yeah. uh, the Mike Greensill Method, the art mm-hmm. of accompaniment for the jazz cabaret piano player. Yeah, it's actually officially published in January by Share Music. Uh, this oh, is so a, this is a preview, is a preview yeah. first oh. edition copy. Cool. So it, it'll hit the stores in uh, January. So what brought you to, to, to write a book? I, I can't remember... What, why I was suddenly obsessed by doing it, but it, it took a long time for me to get round to it. Um, but I also felt there was a need. Jazz education has become such a, a sort of behemoth of, of uh, 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 the educational establishment that uh, they were churning out these young piano players uh, who were all very technically good and sort of good jazz piano players, but they didn't know how to play for singers. Hmm. And little did they realize that they would probably spend most of their careers <laughs> playing for singers because that's where the gigs were, you know. So what would you say, you know, not giving away your entire book here, but if you're <laughs> going to summarize, what is what is a key thing someone has to keep in mind if they are accompanying a, a vocalist? A listen. I, I have four rules. Yeah. Listen, 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 listen. And don't play very much. <laughs> Interesting. You know, I was listening to some of your music before um, you came in, and I did notice that, that you, it does seem like you're listening. You know, she is singing, Wesley here, right. and sometimes the piano will drop out completely and let her do right. her thing, right. or sometimes you'll answer what she just did with maybe a single note played. Yeah. It's, you're, you're, you're really complimenting what's happening Thank you. there. That, you're very astute. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to make music. And sometimes in music, your most you know, effective weapon is silence. Yeah. You know, so, uh, silence can you know, evoke yeah. emotion. It's, yeah, right. No, it's, uh, quite wonderful. That's very astute observation. And as the years go job. by, uh, 
we're really learning uh, less is more. Yeah. And it takes a long time to edit yourself because I know as, as a sort of self-taught piano player, you know, I'm always desperately thinking, oh, people won't think I'm any good. I, I better play more notes here or something, oh, oh, oh. you know, because you're trying to show off that you're really a piano player. Right. Um, but that's, you know, that's not necessary. Not, not particularly. I mean, it, it, it differs in styles of music, you know. I was watching... Uh, Listening and watching someone on YouTube last night, a, a wonderful version of Mozart's Piano Concerto in D minor. Uh-huh. And I was thinking, how fabulous. Well, I could never play in a million years. Uh-huh. You know? But that's okay. She probably can't accompany Wesley. Do what so, you do. So yeah. It's okay. Yeah, that's that's probably true, you know. And your your philosophy and your skills uh, seem to serve you well. You're an in-demand uh, accompanist. Yeah, and you. how many years have you been accompanying West Coast Live, the radio show? Uh, it's about almost 20 years now I've been with the show. Yeah. There you go, Lauren. Yeah. So, yeah. so every week, give the plug. Yeah, oh, sure. Uh, West Coast Live, we're on a lot of NPR stations. Um, uh KALW in San Francisco, KRCB in Santa Rosa. And it's 10 a.m. to noon every Saturday morning, live with an audience. Yeah. And it's hosted by Sedge Thompson, who's a wonderful interviewer mm-hmm. of authors. And I'm the piano player and sidekick. And, and uh, I'm Lauren on, on the That's West right. Coast Live. That's uh, right. You're the, you're the Lauren Mole to yeah, Sedge Thompson. Of West Coast Live. Yeah. yeah. And well, so, so it's, it's, it's a wonderful variety and conversation and fabulous thing to do. No script, same as all of this, you know. So. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah, it's right. a, I tune in myself from time to time. And, uh, Wesley, you also, I mean, the both of you teach classes as well. Yes, correct? we do. We teach privately and also classes. We've been all around the country doing uh, workshops in uh, colleges and uh, theater companies. And the whole thing, the thrust of that is uh, interpretation. Because especially in in uh, the academic setting, there are singers who are suddenly in a theater production, and then there are actors who are suddenly they have to sing, and people just kind of freeze in place and say, "Oh, what can I do?" Or they just think they have to do something different. And so we we deal with that. And Michael is a great help because he can accompany those people immediately and put them in a place that takes them away from the page of music into a place where they can create what their own ideas. He really is very good at that. Oh, how about that? You transport them to a place where they feel comfortable and they can... <laughs> yeah. It's news to me. Oh. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. <laughs> and you've been teaching no. at Napa College as well, some courses? Uh, not at Napa. I've been down in Belmont oh. at Notre Dame. Okay. And we did do some courses at uh, the North Campus. Remember? Oh, yes. Upper Up Campus. Saint yeah, we did some mus- uh, music history and uh, history of Great American Songbook, and then I did my very favorite was called Girl Singers. Oh, and I did a whole semester on all the girl singers that there have been so far. Such as who are some of the ones that you really like to Do- showcase? Doris Day uh-huh. be- began life uh, as a Les Spen- Brown. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and then became a soloist. Just did uh, Peggy Lee and Joe Stafford and people that you didn't maybe realize we didn't as children that we are didn't realize that they began their career singing for bands big band singers yeah wow must have been fun classes to be in it was and to teach oh yeah so we've been talking about your music for some time now should we hear some oh yes definitely i think we ought to play something we have here a um the cd let's get lost wesla whitfield the songs of jimmy McHugh, 
with the Mike Greensill Quintet. How about that? You're yeah. on here, too. Wow. Uh, you want to tell us what we're going to hear? The title track? Uh, the title track, Let's Get Lost. And people, when I say Jimmy McHugh, think to themselves, who's Jimmy McHugh? And sometimes I joke about that. We're going to do songs by Jimmy McHugh. No. <laughs> but you have, he, he wrote uh, many standards. I guess his most famous one would be Sunny Side of the Street oh, sure. or I Can't Give You Anything But Love Baby. Uh-huh. But he wrote a lot of other things, too. And this is one of the fun ones that he did. All right. Well, a fun tune from Wesla Whitfield, Mike Greensill. Let's get lost. Here we go. The party's rather dull, isn't it? We'd love to steal away, wouldn't we? So let's not even ask, should we or shouldn't we? Let's get lost, lost in each other's arms. Let's get lost and let them send out alarms. And oh, they'll think us rather rude. Let's tell the world we're in that crazy mood. Let's defrost in a romantic mist. Let's get crossed over everybody's list To celebrate this night we found each other Let's get lost Send out alarms And all the thinkers Rather rude Let's tell the world We're in that crazy mood Let's defrost In a romantic mist Let's get crossed Over everybody's list To celebrate this night We found each other 
Smooth sounds of jazz on Judd's Napa Valley Show. That's right, Lauren Mole. That's Wesla yeah. Whitfield and Mike Greensill, my guests here today off the CD Let's Get Lost, yes, which you just heard the title track. You may have seen them on Regis and Kathy Lee. You've heard them on Prairie Home Companion, Fresh Air, All Things Considered. They've been invited to the White House by Hillary Clinton to perform. And now the pinnacle of it all, Judd's yes. Napa Valley Show. Amen, amen. How about that? So, so I mean, a great reputation. How, do you, how does one go about doing what you do and building your audience and gaining that reputation that's brought you to all of these great venues and wide audiences? You start from where you are, mm-hmm. and you immediately develop a mailing list, which is now an emailing list. Right. You treasure each one of those names. You treat them with great respect. And then you try to do the best music you can. And just do that for 40 years and voila. And voila, you end up on my show here. I have a couple of good breaks. We were very lucky early on uh, that a wonderful jazz record producer called Aaron Keepnews um, discovered he liked Wesler. Uh, Aaron's quite legendary in the jazz world. He discovered Thelonious Monk and oh, wow. and, yeah. so, uh, and he, but he loves this style of singing and these songs. So, in the early ninety, late eighties, early nineties, he decided to put us on his record label, which he eventually sold to a New York record label. So it meant we had a national and international distribution. For, uh, and that for, is lucky. Uh, records, which is, you know, is what you need. That helps you get the audiences. That help you get on yeah. jazz radio yeah. stations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and be a, to be able to travel, then you can. It, it's so tough to, you know, a lot of young singers ask me, well, how do we, you know, how do we get out? Sure. You know, how do I, that's we promote, you know, and, probably the most and there's no, question, right? you yeah. know, if any of us had the actual answer to that, we'd be. <laughs> Everybody would be out there <laughs> yeah, right. doing it and you famous. You just have to do. find a place to sing. You just do. Yeah. And I think you just have to do good work is the main thing. You know, the work is the most important. So. And you hope that will speak that, for itself that, and that, take that you there. leads to yes. other things, yeah. You know, you, um, Mike, are the accompanist, so you get to work with vocalists, of course your lovely wife, yeah. who we just heard and been talking to, but many other vocalists, right. you I think are becoming, um, you must have a great ear for what makes a great vocalist, you must be a vocal critic yourself, um, and I'm, I'm referring to something that I read that you wrote specifically, if I may Yes, absolutely I, I got the biggest kick out of this uh, this is something that you you put up. Um, was this? We don't have to name names. Was this after game two, game three? Game two. This was before game three, I think. Okay, so before the game World three Series, of the World yeah. Series, I didn't watch. I was off somewhere, so I don't even know who you're referring to. No, and I don't remember her name. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Um, but I think it was referring to whoever sang the national anthem. It was. And. I'll, I'll read back what right. you, sure. what you yeah. said no, because no, I, I got a kick It's all this. public these days. <laughs> That's right. It's all out, you put it out there. It's out there. So here's a quote from Mike Greensill, vocal critic. Um, <laughs> I've had it with these so-called professional singers who are hired to sing the national anthem. This latest one's phrasing was atrocious. Breathing in the middle of phrases, even breathing in the middle of words, ram... <sighs> Parts. <laughs> Is that, did I get that part right? Yes, yes. that's okay. exactly how it uh, went. The emperor has no clothes. <laughs> yeah. Where are the standards of taste and craft? Grrr. 
hammer. Let's hope the actual game is better. And you posted a picture of yourself like holding a hammer. Yeah. You were angry. <laughs> well, yes, I must admit it got to me. I, I, well, there's a couple of things. I hate it when they t- turn the national anthem into some sort of exotic love ballad yeah. you know, with all the melismas and things. And it's just, it's just bad singing because we all, as Wester will tell you in classes, we all speak English. We know how to speak it. And we're trying to communicate through song. We're trying to communicate the lyric. Now, okay, the lyric to the Star Spangled Banner isn't, you know, Lorenz Hart, but, you know, it's, it's a lyric. There's a story in there. Yeah. And, and, and so you can't communicate the meaning of the lyric if you sing like that, if you breathe in the middle mm. of words. And, uh, so, anyway, well, that, very was, good point. that was my rant. And that you know, it. the peculiar thing about this whole series is they have someone from the military in the uh, seventh inning stretch to God Bless America, and they've all been really good. Oh, they are really yes. good singers they and are. good phrasing, and just it really shows up. So, well, good. There's there's a plus for. Oh it, yeah, right yeah. I wanted to make sure that was known. And we should know we should know that you all both are big baseball fans. So yeah. this is near and dear. You see probably a lot of baseball games and hear a lot and of. Wesley sings the anthem at Giants quite often. That's so. you know what I should have mentioned that I've read that as well. That's got to be a big thrill. It is a big thrill. Yeah, it's it's so much fun, and you have to go out there with the lyric in your hand because you know that song too well. Yes, and so you're just going to blank at some point, and you don't really want to sure. do that. <laughs> so you have it there. I do, and it's beautiful. Yep, awesome. It's How fun. cool! Yes. You'll have to keep us in the loop. Well, you have a blog and a, a newsletter. People yeah. can sign yeah. up through your websites, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Either mikegreensill.com or weslawhitfield.com. Mm-hmm. Get in the loop to find out when that's happening. Uh, Mike, I noticed you brought a musical instrument with you today. <laughs> Is this something well, you want to approach? No, it's because you asked me. It, it's uh, uh, nothing I really know about. Uh, but uh, well, it's as, near as all your loyal listeners must know, Judd is a great ukulele player. So uh, I have a ukulele, and I have a couple of YouTube videos. I didn't uh, know you were a ukulele player until well, someone sent me a link for I didn't know. Wesler bought this for my birthday about two years ago. And, and I love the ukulele. This is actually a baritone ukulele. And uh, I just play a couple of chords, but uh, anyway, I just love the, the soft sound of that. And uh, it's beautiful. I love that. Are you so, gonna give us a tune or just those few no, quick no, strums? I, 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 oh. I, I won't bore you with the, uh, with the whole thing. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I wouldn't find it boring. I'd love it. <laughs> well, if folks want to see Mike playing his ukulele and singing at the same time, YouTube. Type in Mike Greensill, yeah, you can, yeah. and uh, you'll you'll see both of them. Not necessarily playing both playing ukulele, but you'll see great videos of um, both Wesley and Mike performing together, and you'll see one of Mike playing that ukulele. It's a great video. I, I was I was so happy when I saw that. It put a big smile on my face. Um, you guys got some gigs coming up we should talk about? I yes, know you do. Have. So let's... We both have. Uh, I'm going to be... Uh, we're going to be at the San Francisco Jazz Center on the 16th of November. It's very exciting. It's also our, our wedding anniversary. So oh. we'll be celebrating that. Happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> and then we're always... At, you know, we come every once in a while to Silos on Christmas Eve. Silos in Napa. So come see us on Christmas Eve. Michael, you have more exciting gigs, I know. Tell me. No, no. Those are exciting. I love the Christmas Eve gig. It's for all the orphans who yeah. don't have yeah. families, you know. Come and have a beer and listen to Westland. And, and then we all sing Wonderful. later. Yeah, With and the, then yeah. afterwards, yeah. It, it turns we, into we sing some carols. Yeah. Oh, great. With yeah. Accompanied by... by, by yeah. Yeah, right. We just, uh, it's like karaoke carol sing-along. 
That sounds like a great time. That's at Silos. <laughs> on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, I have a, uh, you know, in, in Napa, talking about cultural events in Napa, yeah. we have a wonderful jazz society, the Napa Valley Jazz Society. Sure. That puts on little parlor concerts every month uh, on a Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. And there are all sorts of places. They were at Mandavi mm-hmm. this last month. And... Um, they're often at silos and so i'm doing an annual concert on uh, december the 8th at silos and i have a wonderful quartet with guitar bass and a wonderful tenor player called bob kenmatsu and we're going to sell because i've been singing a lot more lately i'm sort of coming out of my shell singing i'm going to do a tribute to all the singing piano players of which there are countless you know from uh fat swaller up to diana crowell and uh, you know Bobby Short, Lois yeah. Allison, yeah. Ray Charles, uh, Nat King Cole. There's a million of them singing piano players. So be celebrating their music. And yeah. A great yeah. chance and, to and hear and Mike singing. Yeah. Great. And so that's so December 8th. December 8th at Silos. And that's an afternoon gig, too. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, 4 o'clock. Very 4 p.m., so folks can come in. Um, very important question, an issue we have to tackle. Uh-oh. And I'm sorry to put you on the spot, yeah. but I, I just I have to know. <laughs> do you go nuts for donuts? Yes, we do. Here they are. Well, today's your lucky day. We have an array of donuts. I would like you each to choose one of these delicious-looking donuts. Got the pink box open. Is it going to be? She goes for the crumb. It is sort of like a Rorschach. Not this time. It's no, well. Wait a minute. Up, oh, neither one. Okay, we've been on a roll with the maple old fashioned lately. The but you one? chose. Wesla took. No one took the pink one. No one ever takes the pink one. We'll see. That'll be. That'll, that'll be very interesting. When we find out who takes the pink one. So Wesla has the crumb. Mike has the apple spice. You're nibbling on donuts here in the beautiful Napa Valley. What are you inspired? What music would you accompany this donut with? That is the dumb question of the day. Wow. Uh, the crumb donut inspires you to sing what, and the apple spice. Doesn't R Crumb have a theme song? I would do that. The R Crumb theme song. Oh, the artist R Crumb. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got his what? Cheap suit serenade. Keep on trucking or something like that. Uh, okay, trucking. Yeah. Oh, keep on trucking. Yeah. Okay, that goes with the crumb and Mike with your apple spice. Uh, apple spice. <laughs> it's great to have apple spice. My favorite is apple spice. Early morning donuts for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Nice. Well, now that we've gotten that out of the way, thank you for answering. Honestly, it's time to play everyone's favorite party game here on Judd's Napa Valley Show. From the Sony Picture Studio. What? This Wait a minute. <laughs> is Madlibs. Sorry, folks. Can you tell Johnny's not here? Johnny Gilbert is off. We've got Lauren Mole. So you folks know how to play this. I'm going to ask you to fill in the blanks some parts of speech. We're going to come up with some zaniness. Are you ready to play? Yes, indeed. Okay. The first thing I'm going to need, and either of you can answer. I'm just going to throw it out there, and we're going to go quick. So we're going to go lightning round. I would like an adjective. Uh, a vociferous. Vociferous. Uh, a number, any number. 16,400. 16,400. A noun. Uh, coffee. Coffee. To go with that donut. Yes. <laughs> a, again, a number, any number. Uh, uh, 33,910. <laughs> you guys are good at this. Uh, an adjective, another descriptor. 
something from my youth. Uh, pious. Pious. Isn't that the name of our car? Uh, yeah, did you drive yeah, we, a Pius? Yeah, we drive a Pius. Toyota yeah. Pius? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, um, anyway, a verb ending in I-N-G. Oh, um, treading. Treading. That's a good one. And now a city. could be any city. Uh, Macau. Macau. Why did you choose that? Well, it's near Hong Kong, and it's the site of my second honeymoon. All right. Well, very well, Macau it is. Here we go. I went online earlier, and I pulled out a bit of information off of your website. It's a little bit of a bio of Wesla and some info about Mike. You've just rewritten it via our Mad Libs. Here we go. <clears throat> Wesla Whitfield inhabits that inter... Oh, in, interminate, excuse me. Indeter- I cannot read. I don't have my donut. Yeah. I'm going to start again. Wesla Whitfield inhabits that indeterminate zone where jazz and cabaret meet. Trained in vociferous music and yes, opera. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whitfield has toiled for more than 16,400 decades to become yes. <laughs> one of the most gifted performers breathing life into that exquisite body of Broadway tunes, movie songs, and hit parade numbers known collectively as the Great American Coffee. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, Mike, well known as a musical director to acclaimed vocalist Wesley Whitfield, with whom he has recorded 33,910 <laughs> albums. What? <laughs> Mike Greensill is also a pious piano player yeah. on Sedge Thompson's weekly public radio show to the world, West Coast Live. He can also be found treading jazz and singing in many venues, including San Francisco's The Raz Room. And Carnegie Hall in Macau. Yeah. There you go. Mike Greensill, Wesley Whitfield, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Lauren? Catch you next week, Judd. And that's it from Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa Valley Show.